You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. book of James. Uh, We started a few weeks ago into a new book that we're going to be studying this fall. We're going through this letter penned by James, the half-brother of Jesus, and he's writing to the church, to the tribes of Israel that are believers scattered throughout Asia and Europe and northern Africa. And so James, being their pastor, the head of Jerusalem church, writes this letter to the tribes scattered abroad. Um, This is week three, and we are going to be studying verses five through eight this morning, allowing God to speak to us. But for context's sake, let's go ahead and like go back to verse one, because we're not that far away. Let's read verses one through eight and then pray. It says, James... A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. And he says this. We studied this last week. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all those without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Um, This is the word of the Lord that he has for us today. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for the space that we get to meet. Thank you for the opportunities for us as a church to serve our neighbor. But during this time, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is sharper than any double-edged sword, that it's living and active, that it's designed to teach us and correct us and rebuke us and train us so that the, the woman or the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. God, thank you for the specific place in your word in the letter of James that we have today to study. Holy Spirit, would you use me for your glory? Would I be your mouthpiece to just communicate your heart and your truths to us today? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the reason why it's important that we're reminded of the context that these few verses, verses 5 through 8, are written in is because like the entirety of the Bible, they aren't meant to be pulled and interpreted separately than the place in the letter that they were originally written. This is like super important. Apply it to any time you read the Bible. And this happens a lot. We get into trouble. It's gotten to a lot of people into a lot of trouble over the last 2,000 years when they've read the word of God. It's called proof texting, right? Things get pulled out of context 
And if you're not careful, it can be bent to mean anything you want it to mean. That's why, like, even though, like, a coffee mug is good to have, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Yes, but do you know why that was written? Do you know what that actually means? Or, like, Jeremiah 29.11, my thoughts towards you, my plans for you, to prosper you. Like, yeah, but that was to Israel, but do you know what that means? We can get into trouble really quick. If we're just not aware, like, ooh, that's a great verse. I love that verse. But when was it written? Who was it written to? What was the purpose of it? Because if we're not careful, we'll just, again, you can make anything mean whatever you want it to mean if you're not aware of where it was written. And just like, or you lose the potency. Or it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's many reasons why you wouldn't do that. And so even looking at verse 5 today. Right, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives all liberally and without reproach or without, without fault, and it will be given to him. Okay, so again, if you read that out of context, that's good. That's still true. But what is the context that it was written to? Like, who wrote it? James, right? But who do you write it to? Right, in the context, it's in the context of when we're going through seasons of trials that it was written. And what trials do, I'm sure we can attest to this, is bring a necessary season to seek wisdom from God. Right? We often don't, don't know we need wisdom about something until a time of difficulty comes. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh no, my life's over. Right? Oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening. I can't make sense of this. Like we were good, but then difficulty comes. Then all of a sudden we, we start asking big life questions. And so trials, we need to know, like once in a, in a time of trial, we need to know if a particular trial is something God wants us to eliminate by faith or persevere in by faith. Meaning, right, when a trial comes, are we like, God, let it end. Now, this isn't from you. Or God's like, no, I'm in control of everything. I'm allowing this trial to happen, but I have a lot that I want to do in and through you during this season. We need wisdom to discern that. Even last week, we talked about that. Right? When we go through trials, instead of just saying, God, stop the trial. That's, a, that's our main thing we always say. Something bad happens, and we're like, God, stop it. But we reframed it last week. Because God's word said, well, there's actually a lot of character work that God wants to do through a trial. So instead of just saying, God, stop it, maybe a better question would be is, God, what are you trying to teach me during this time? What do you want me to change in my life during this time? How do you want to reorient my life during this time? Again, we don't love to pray those prayers because we just don't want pain. So we just say, God, stop the pain. And so what James is saying here is, hey, consider it all joy and all trials. God wants to work in and through you. But also, he isn't just going to leave you hanging, nor does he want to keep you in the dark. If you want to know wisdom from God, ask. If any of you is lacking wisdom of what this trial is about, what you're going through, what God's trying to do, ask. And God's going give to give generously that wisdom to you. Again, you see, it's important to read it in context. 
Again, this verse doesn't mean we can't ask for wisdom in general. But again, I think it's important that we see it next to the few verses it just came from. I think it's all relatable because all of us either now or we just went through or we will go through a trial. This is super uh, relatable. But if you're taking notes, there's three things I want us to look at and get from the text today. Won't, won't take too long here. But as we walk through these verses, verses 5 through 8, it's this. Here's the three points. That we would acknowledge that we're in need of wisdom from God. That's number one that I, I hope and pray that we can grow today. That we would be a people that acknowledge that we are in need of wisdom from God. Number two is that we wouldn't stop there, but we would ask God to give us his wisdom. And lastly, it's to believe that God is able to give us that very wisdom. Again, if you're taking notes, if this is helpful, this is like the outline. This is the bones of the sermon today, uh, which we want to walk through because that's what James does in these few verses. That we'd acknowledge, that we'd be a people that acknowledge we're in need. That we ask God because we're aware of our need. God, show me. I need you. I need to know what's happening. I need to know which way to go. And then when we're praying, when we're asking, to believe that God is able to give us the thing which we ask. So acknowledge, ask, and believe. Point one. Acknowledge that we're in need of wisdom from God. <laughs> this may be one of the hardest places to get to. Which in turn won't let us get to the next two. We first have to admit we're in need. Again, I don't think it's, in, it's, it's no coincidence... That hard times, trials, tribulations, when things aren't going our way, drives us to ask God. Because again, if we're honest, when do we pray most in life? When things aren't going well. I wish that was true. It's, it's supposed to be that we just seek the Lord and commune with the Lord and pray to the Lord when in good times or bad. Not just when we need stuff, but because he's our heavenly father and we're to have a relationship with him, we're just supposed to be communicating him with all, all the time. But if we're honest, trials and tribulations, when we lose our job, when we have drama with a loved one, you name it. When we get diagnosed with a disease, like you name all of life's problems. That's when it drives us to ask the wise to go to God for wisdom and for understanding. And again, wisdom is different from knowledge. There's a difference there, right? In trials, we need wisdom more, a lot more than we need knowledge. Right? Knowledge is just raw information, but wisdom knows how to use it. Right? Someone once said that knowledge is the ability to take things apart, but wisdom is the ability to put things together. It's easy to take things apart. It's hard to put them back together. Talk about having a six-year-old with Lego collections. So much easier. He just destroys them. But to put them back together, that's another story. <clears throat> well, as James would say here, the first step is to acknowledge we lack the wisdom necessary. 
You see how he says that? If any of you is lacking wisdom, then ask. James would say the first step to hearing from God, to receiving wisdom from God, is just to acknowledge that you need it in the first place. And that's true for us. We need to admit we have limits. Oh, so many people, we do. I, I myself included, hate that. I think we all do. You guys are good at stuff. You want to do stuff on your own. We can do this thing. I got all the answers. But James would say it starts with actually turning to God, admitting you don't know all the answers, and you go to God for answers and him for help. And really what that is, is, is admitting our need for God the Father. Like, God, I need you. So what that means is it's giving up our self-reliance. And it's accepting our need of dependency upon God for our lives. This is where it kind of probably hits home for a lot of us. Because again... We don't want to admit that. We don't want to admit that we have limits, that we need to rest, that we don't have all the answers. For a lot of us, like, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need anybody. But what James is saying is, stop. Actually, the first place that you need to be to get to God is actually to admit you can't do it on your own. That's humbling. That's challenging. But again, James says it starts there. And even though James is talking about wisdom in this context, it reminds us of the foundational posture that we all need to have with God. Like this, that's how Christianity works. How do you even start to have a relationship with Jesus is admitting you need a relationship with Jesus. It's admitting you can't get to God on your own. No amount of good works. No amount of giving, no amount of serving can earn your acceptance and approval with God. You have to admit, wow, nothing I can do can make me right in God's eyes. It's admitting you have limits and you failed and you are in need of Jesus. Jesus died to forgive my sins, to make me right before God, right in God's eyes. Christianity is based on giving up, saying I can't do it on my own. I need you, God. Right? Right? It's allowing him to lead, to Lord, to govern our lives. Christianity, its very foundation is giving up. It's surrendering to God's goodness and his will. And it's admitting that his ways are better than our ways. He knows best, not us. And I know that in this room... In our church alone, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a lot of bosses, there's a lot of A-types in this room. You hate this. You hate what I'm saying. Because you guys are really good at stuff. You're really capable, and in your sphere, you've been really successful. Again, that's what can make you good at your job here and now on earth. But also, I'm sure, you entrepreneur bosses A-types that mentality has also affected you negatively in your relationships, potentially. I'm always right. I'm never wrong. Welcome. That's going to be great for your marriage. Right? That's going to, you're going to cause friction already because you're not willing to admit you're wrong. Uh, dude, you automatically, like, dude, be careful. Because you have the mentality, I'm right. I can do it. I know what's best. 
Well, good luck, because that's not going to work in relationship with anyone. And you can be good at your job for a little bit, but that'll hurt in a, in a, in a little bit if you think that way. But if we're not careful, that type of thinking can carry in and over to our relationship with God. You may not say it that way. God, I'm right. You're wrong. I know best. You don't. But we live our lives that way. Or we just go through life not asking him for help at all because we got this. I'm good. I don't need you. We might not say that, but guys, do we live that way? You see, a lot of us, myself included, struggle to not fully be in control of our own lives. I don't think any of us are like, I love to be out of control. I love it when I feel so uncomfortable. I love it when I'm just, anything can happen to me at any moment by anybody. It feels so good to be vulnerable. None of us are saying that. All of us, in some way or another, some more than others, love to be in control of our own lives. James reminds us we're not. He reminds us we don't know it all. He reminds us we need God. So again, once we can get there and like admit, work through that stuff, come to God, the natural progression would be point two, to ask God for wisdom. Uh, in the original language here, the phrase like the God who gives, right? Ask God and he'll give you. That original phrase, God who gives, uh, emphasizes giving as a grand characteristic of God. It, 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 it literally reads, let him ask the constantly giving God. In the original language, if someone's lacking wisdom, he says, ask God or ask the constantly giving God. Like, that's what God does. He gives of himself. He gives of his grace and his love and his mercy and his wisdom. Like, and if you read the Bible from cover to cover, the theme and the facet of the character of God, you'll become, God's a giving God. He's a generous God. He lavishes things upon his kids. He is not stingy. He's not a penny pincher. He doesn't play games. He doesn't like, he's not conditional in that way. He doesn't like, he's a generous God that wants to give. And not, not only is God full of all the wisdom that created, sustains, and, and leads, and carries all of creation, but again, he desires to give all of his wisdom generously if we ask. That's his promise. So how do we ask? It's the word of God. It's pretty clear. Like, hey, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God. He's going to give you it generously. Well, simply, it's through prayer. That's the number one, I think. It's asking him. Whether that be quietly, you one-on-one, -on -one, you in the car, you in your quiet time. I don't know, when you're distraught, like, God, I need you to speak to me and show me what's going on. Or it could be like involving other people, friends, family, coworkers, community, Ohana groups, church. Can you pray for me for this thing happening? But it's just asking either personally or others to join in with you in prayer. I would say in conjunction with prayer, it's reading God's word. Because if you didn't know, God's word is his will 
Or you could also say his will is his word. You want to know what God's all about? Read his word. You want to know what his heart is toward you? Read his word. Again, there's specifics to life that you're not going to find in here. I got that job offer. Should I start that job on September 1st in downtown? You're not going to find it in Jeremiah. It's not there. Again, maybe that's through prayer. But there is a ton of your life, the way in which you should live and what you should prioritize and how you should think and how you should speak. The Word of God would say everything pertaining to life and godliness lies in this book. So if you're like, I don't know who God is. I don't know what he wants to do. I'm like, how much do you read the Bible? He's like, never. I'm like, yeah. That's exactly why. You, you, there's this book that we have that's absolutely incredible that details God's character and his heart towards you. That's why, like, at reality, we'll probably pound this thing in you. Like, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Have you read your Bible? God's waiting to speak to you and to impart to you his wisdom. But again, whether it's through prayer or through reading the word of God, how you will actually receive wisdom from God could be a myriad of different ways. It could be through his word directly. It could be through a word from others prophetically. God does that. He uses people in your lives that have been praying for you that say, hey, God, I feel like God has this for you. Take it or leave it. You can not, but I really feel like God has this for you. People, God uses other people to encourage us and speak to us. To answer prayers. Something else happens. Like it could be just a scenario you've been praying about. Like, hey God, would you show me if I'm supposed to do this? And then all of a sudden like five different ways, five different things happen that day that like fully confirms like, yeah, it's pretty obvious that God wants me to do that. God does a lot of things. Maybe you'll get peace. Maybe you'll just feel like, yep, I just, I'm not feeling not peace. And so I've been praying about it and I've been asking the Lord to show me. And I just feel like, that's the way I should go. You're like, sometimes that, that works. And maybe it's just that God just gives you an increase of faith to trust in him. I didn't really get a ton of answers, but I really feel like God just is in control and it's going to be okay. Maybe that's the wisdom. Many different ways God can do it. But again, as Jesus affirms in the Sermon of the Mount, playing off of what James says, in relation to prayer, this is what Jesus says. He says, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. He's speaking of prayer to his Father. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. And all those are, are verbs, so they mean keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. It isn't just like, oh, well, I needed to know this really big thing in my life, so I asked God once, and he hasn't spoken to me. You're like, oh, well, like, keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking the Lord in that way. James would just add to Jesus here in saying that not only will God give us wisdom, but again, he'll do it generously. Right, without reproach or without fault or without disapproval or without disappointment. But God says he'll happily and lavishly give us if we ask. One commentator said it this way in context to James readers going through trials. He says, God is like a pitcher, like a water pitcher, tilted toward his children. 
just waiting to pour wisdom over the trial-parched landscape of their lives, if they will but ask. I love that because it communicates God's heart towards us. And a lot of us could have a different view of who God is and, oh, God does, I've done too much bad, so God doesn't want to talk to me or, oh, I'm not that close with the Lord, so. But this is actually, this is actually what's true. Regardless of how you feel, how close you feel or what you've done, God generously wants to meet you and be with you and speak to you. He's just waiting for you to ask. It's pretty incredible. But last point, last point, point three. So not only acknowledge you need God, ask God to speak to you, ask God for wisdom, but believe that he will do it. There's a caveat. There's a caveat to our requests. Right? So James says, if anyone's lacking wisdom, ask God and he's going to give it generously. And he says, but. This is what he says. Verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Again, this is very different. He says, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay, so the big idea here is that we must believe and we don't doubt. Right? James then proceeds to get pretty serious. He kind of turns up the heat a little bit. And he presses the point of the importance of belief or faith in God's ability and willingness to do what he said. He goes so far as to say, a prayer lacking of faith and trust in God also shows that we have no foundation being unstable in all our ways. Okay, so he like turns it up a little bit. Because again, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, if that's what you recognize, if that's what you, uh, you know, say that you are, if that's what we are, trust in God is foundational to our relationship and of our ability to receive from God. And the comparison he gives, he uses a real life example, <clears throat> is of a wave of a sea tossed by the wind. Right? That, that wave... It's just tossed to and fro any which way. It has no ability. It just, it just goes wherever the wind pushes it. One commentator explained this metaphor in this way. He says, the person who is not thoroughly persuaded that if he asks of God, he shall receive resembles a wave of the sea. They are in a state of continual agitation driven by the wind and tossed now rising by hope and sinking by despair. The way James ends this is by saying that praying in this way, lacking faith in God's abilities, makes a person double-minded. And what does that mean? Well, he's, he's saying, you know, believing in a God that sent his son to save us and then you pray to him, that's, that's full of faith. Just that. 
that you believe in a God that created everything and you're in need of a savior and you believe in Jesus and you're praying to that God that saved you? Like, that's full of faith. Wow. Not everybody believes that. But then when you pray, you actually doubt and don't really trust and believe that he'll answer you is, is really counter that. It's full of doubt. It's not full of faith. And so James is just making the point, like, if you believe in a God that created the heavens, that created every cell in your body, and that he loves you, and he sent his son to die for you, and you believe that, and you receive that, but then you pray in a way that you, like, doubt God's ability, you're double-minded. He says... That makes us unstable and untrusting. And James goes so far to say, actually forget what I just said. He says, if you lack wisdom, God will generously give it to you. But if you do it with doubt, don't expect anything. And you're like, well, James, you're crazy. What are you saying? He, again, he's, he's trying to make the point here. That, that believing and having faith and God's abilities is really important. And again, to connect this to a broader theme of Scripture, throughout the Bible, there's the notion that wisdom comes when we have a healthy reverence or fear of God. The Bible talks a lot about this. And again, fear of God doesn't mean that we're scared of Him, but rather that we're in awe of, or we worship, or we're... We respect or we know who he is and what he's done. We have a reverence for who he is. And throughout the Bible, it says that having a reverence for who God is accompanies wisdom. Not just James, but actually the book of Proverbs and Psalms quite a bit. Look at these examples. The fear of the Lord or the reverence of the Lord of who he is and what he's done is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Psalm 111.10. Book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9 also says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Again, playing off what James says, the, the writers of Psalms and Proverbs would say wisdom begins with a healthy, healthy reverence for God. Again, echoing James's idea that wisdom comes from a faith-filled prayer. Reverence and faith go hand in hand. And it's truly believing in who we're praying to and that he is truly able to give you that which you ask. That, that's, that's the few verses that we just read. Anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. He's going to give it generously. But when you ask, believe that he's able to answer your prayers. Remember who you're praying to and remember what he wants to do. Again, if we're sitting in here and we're like, oh man, like a lot of times I do doubt. Like I pray, but I do doubt that like, oh, is God really going to answer this? That's okay. The disciples had the same issue. 
they would come to Jesus and they would ask him like, hey God, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? Like, I believe you and I see all that you're doing, but I still struggle believing you for everything. And God had a lot of grace and we're all works in progress and he has a lot of grace on us. So don't think, oh man, I just, I'm struggling so God's never going to speak to me. It's okay, it's like a work in progress here. This is areas where we can grow. But again, just to leave you before worship, just to leave you with this, don't get too caught up with the three steps and remembering all that I said. It's not meant to be robotic. It's meant to be relational. Like, we have to remember God's heart towards us and what he desires for us. Like, it has to start there. And then we just move towards that and meet him there. Like, remember who God is and what he does and what he desires to do. And then let's just move towards that. Don't, don't get tripped up with like, did I do it right? Or did I have enough faith? Or like, was it fully dependent on me? Like, just remember who it is that you're praying to and believe that he is able to do the things for which you ask. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and let's worship. God, thank you that your word once again gives us a glimpse into your heart, your character and your intentions for us. And Lord, as a church, as Christians, as people, as, visit, as, as those that are visiting today, I pray that we would take this to heart and that maybe it would change the perception of like who you are, but also it would help us to engage with you more in prayer. And Lord, we don't want to live our lives on our own strength. We want to live it according to your will, with your strength. And so God, give us wisdom. God, your word says, if we lack it, to ask and you give generously. And I pray, Lord, in faith that you would speak to us now the way in which you want to speak to us. For each of us, we need things from you. We're going through stuff. We're feeling, maybe it's lonely. Maybe it's depressed. Maybe it's lost. Maybe it's confused. God, we need your wisdom. We need your strength. Would you speak to us now in this time of worship? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.